0: From the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome. This is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports
1: Saturdays. It is hard to imagine we are at Senior Day for the Notre Dame football team and the final game to be played at Notre Dame Stadium this season. The matchup against Lowly 3-7 and Georgia Tech today is certainly far from enticing, but the stakes remain through the roof for the Irish win and the possibilities for the college football playoff remain alive. Lose and, well... Oh, we'll be going crazy on the show next Saturday, and so will the Irish football fans. Maybe they'll be as upset as I am this morning because nothing's going right for Angelo in his world this, this week. All right, never mind. That's my rant for the morning. Welcome to Notre Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you beg, does matter. I'm Anzal DiCarlo, so glad to be with you this morning. Joined, as always, by Kevin Downey with Ilya Glasman contributing on the other side of the glass. We expected a shootout last week at Virginia, Kevin. Uh, We did not get that. Brendan Armstrong was not able to play for the Hokies or uh, for Virginia, for the Cavaliers, excuse me, <laughs> at quarterback, resulted in Notre Dame rolling to a 28-3 win on the road, even without Kyle Hamilton, Drew White, MTA, not all playing Yeah, against one of the nation's top offenses. Uh, obviously not one of the nation's top offenses without Their Brendan Armstrong. Yeah. And now the Irish facing 3-7 and Georgia Tech. You know, Brian Kelly trying to build this game up this week as, hey, they got really good players over there and, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, you come off the win, you're 9-1, you're feeling good, you're going to face a pair of teams that are not good to yeah, close struggling. out the season. Is this a trap game?
2: Yeah, it could be. Uh, but I, I think the way that uh, Georgia Tech's defense, especially their secondary plays, there's going to be a lot of big plays. I, I just They're aggressive uh, up front, so sometimes they'll have big defensive stops, <clears throat> tackles for loss or sacks, but – Ooh, there's something's wrong with the uh, the coverage on the back end for Georgia Tech. I would say we're going to see some some pretty big plays. I if look, I I asked the question: Is it a trap game? For the
1: the very obvious reason, right? If 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 they were to lose this game, yeah, it would be one of the worst. I'm trying to think of a loss that would be as bad as the loss today. I think you. I don't know. I think you would go to Tulsa. In 2010, Brian Kelly's first year, I think oh, that would wow. be the last time you would have to equate a loss that would be as. And that, look, I'm not saying they're gonna lose. I'm well, saying. Well, they're back
2: in the playoff picture. Talk. That's what I'm saying. What's know, on have... the line?
1: You know, what I mean, like you talk about a scenario where you'd lose anyone that has finally started to
2: come around, come and give around, them a little credit.
1: And finally giving the team credit. <laughs> I mean, man. Would you lose everybody if you lost today? Because that's how bad Georgia Tech is. I don't care. BK can say all he wants. I mean, Georgia Tech's three wins are to Kennesaw State. Yeah. They beat North Carolina. That was the big one. I that thought. was the good one. 45-22. Yep. And then their other win-, win is against Duke. I mean, yeah. they're not They're not. The North good. Carolina one's just
2: kind of a head scratcher. They look pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, north that's what North Carolina is, though. They're one of these teams that they're kind <laughs> of they're kind of not. Um, all right. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out ways of creating controversy in the show today because there is just not much to create. And that's probably Brian Kelly's problem this week, right? Yeah. I mean, you he is trying to build this up like, hey, look at some of these guys. Look at Gibbs. Look at yeah. whatever. And he's trying to create a sense of urgency for his guys this week. You're a longtime coach. That can be difficult at times, right? Because it's human nature for these guys to walk into this week and go
2: feeling pretty good. Well, we're going to win these last two games, right?
1: I mean, like, what do you do as a coach to try to get the pulse of your team to make sure that they're ready to go this week? Because you say all this coach speak of like, Hey, we got to play to our (laughs) standard, blah, blah, blah. Look, if you don't mention the other team in that regard, I don't know. It's just, I feel like you're going to get a natural letdown
2: in this game here,
1: early on especially.
2: Well, I guess there could be, I, as far as a coach, I would just uh, really focus on the preparation. It's coach speak, but I would, I'd focus on what we could do to improve our own team. Um, and, you know, BK is not wrong. They, they have a good running back and talent at the quarterback position I they play a couple different guys. Like, I like guy number injured. 10 Sims way more than the other guy that's starting. But, again, I am not inside the locker room. Um, I don't know. I, I think with the improvement that Notre Dame has shown this year, uh, especially coming out of the gate where they had young guys, injuries, I mean, that's pretty impressive. So, whatever BK's doing, however he has to spin it, I think he knows his guys because they keep getting better. All right, let's let Ilya chime in <laughs> as a
1: fan uh, on the other side of the glass. Hello, are you are you are you concerned in any way?
3: Uh, not uh, with the game itself, particularly. Though what I am concerned is that if Notre Dame were to win and Ohio State were to lose today, I'm not so certain that the committee would put Notre Dame ahead of Ohio State.
1: Oh, I think they will. two loss Ohio State. I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not concerned about that. I, I think if Ohio, now, if Notre Dame won by uh, you know, seventeen sixteen against Georgia Tech, then I, I still don't something. think I still don't think that would be the case. I think if Ohio State's two losses I think the only team that's gonna get the benefit of the doubt of being a two loss team Alabama is Alabama. <laughs> Nobody else. I don't think anyone else gets that. Now your greater point about style points, yeah. does come into a play. If they come out here and they don't win big, like I had a couple of people asking me this week, why didn't they go for more points at the end of the half with 115 left? They kind of just took a knee and said forget about it and didn't score. Like they could have won that game 49-3 to last week. Yeah. BK doesn't do that, but it kind of should. Almost, because you kind of need those style points. I, I guess that would be the concern in some ways today is because you come out and you win 31-17. Does that impress anybody when you're trying to leapfrog yeah. anyone in the in the playoff standings? But, I mean, I don't know if it matters in the end. They just got to win, and then they have to have other teams lose. Yeah,
2: and other teams are going to play. It all play out for sure
1: I mean that that that's what it's going to be all right on tap on this morning show our featured interview with Jack Nolan the legendary and now retired voice in Notre Dame basketball shares memories of his career the origins of got it and if he misses it now that the hoop season is back in play we'll break down the matchup with Georgia Tech although we've kind of already done that in some ways our poll question what defensive Position group, defensive line, linebacker, secondary has impressed you the most this season based on what they've overcome. You can weigh in. Just head to Twitter. Search for my handle, add on to Carlo to cast your vote. It's pinned at the top. We will discuss that question next segment. Later this segment, we'll we'll hear from Jack Cohn on his experience at Notre Dame. Kurt Heinrich explains how he kind of gets emotional before uh, games. Plus, can the Irish – it's funny, and you're going to want to put the breakfast away for a second. Plus, can the Irish uh, make the playoff? We'll look at those playoff scenarios. Let's start with the update on the Irish injury front. Safety Kyle Hamilton pretty much ruled out for the season – for the regular season, I should say, at this point. Brian Kelly said this week suddenly it's a six-week injury. He has not said that for the last couple of weeks. And I don't know if that was more opinions coming through and they finally figured out, but we're at week four. So obviously you do the math and he won't be back for Stanford next week. I think at this point, it seems like if they make the college football playoff, you see Kyle Hamilton. If not, he's going pro. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean, maybe if they're playing Michigan in a major bowl game, you see Kyle Hamilton. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe something like that is a possibility. Um, He's very much engaged. In fact, he sat right in front of us at the St. Joe Marion girls basketball game the other day because he was with uh, his his roommate and and teammate Connor radikin mm-hmm. uh, Connor uh, St. Joe alum, and cheering on his sister Kelly, who's the star for St. Joe. So Kyle and uh, and and uh, Cam Hart, KJ Wallace, also there, all together. So you know they're they're certainly engaged and and that, but um, not ready to go and not ready to play.
2: They shouldn't need him in these last two games of the regular season. True. Well, and once I saw the <laughs> announcement, I thought of you because that was what we talked about right away. Was wow, is the injury going to be worth it? With, you know, if, with him possibly losing out on lots of money.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's not. And uh, they said if he's ready to go, he's going to play, and he wants to play again. What is that definition of means ready to go ultimately yeah. means, right? Flu bug uh, still going around the team as of Thursday.
2: Uh, See per- that's a pretty big deal, right? <laughs> I mean, that's something you can't control. The
1: positive was a lot of guys were out Tuesday, BK said, and okay. a lot most most of them were all back Wednesday. So it's he was hopeful it was trending in the right direction. All right. The last time we talked to him was Thursday, so you're hoping. Friday, yeah, Saturday. you're hoping at this point it's gone and out of the system. Obviously, it prevented Drew White and MTA from playing last week. You know, they they won that game without force captains playing in the
2: game easily. Well, that on pass road. rush won that game. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty intense.
3: Eight sacks. Ooh. Eight sacks. I mean, that It is... felt like more. <laughs>
1: all right. The Irish uh, seem to be putting it all together. How much better are they now than they were earlier in the season? Here's Brian Kelly.
4: We're better than we were in September and, and October. So this football team is getting better each and every week. We've played young players that are now much more mature and playing better. Um, And we're ascending as a football team. So, you know, anytime you're trying to put a resume together it's about how you play later in the year. And So, you know, the eye test is this football team is playing better defensively, offensively. And, um, you know, we're sitting here nine and one. We've we've turned over virtually an entire roster and um, playing pretty good football
1: it's interesting that BK says the eye test because he knows if you kind of just look at who they're beating, you can't match it up with like, you know, Ohio state playing Michigan state today. Right. So you're going to have to go with, look how much better we are than we were. Hint, hint how much better we are than we were when we played Cincinnati. (laughs) You know what I mean? If we played Cincinnati again, we'd beat them. Maybe, you know what I mean? Now the loss matters. We do. We get that. Yeah. But I, I do think they are playing better football, and mm-hmm. here's a question for you: They play Cincinnati today. Who wins? Uh,
2: well, I thought they should beat Cincinnati the first time. So, <laughs> I mean, again, I, I think that they would win because they have improved drastically. They actually have a run game now. They've solidified the the offensive line. Cone um, isn't the QB; isn't throwing. Wow, well, the interceptions aren't that big, but but the sacks—he's not getting sacked as much. No, he's not getting sacked as much. Although he does have—he's good for one weird pass a game that gets picked off. Yeah, but even the one against the, in the last game—I mean, that was like a 50-50 ball. That wasn't—I I don't fault him. It was a little weird. All right. All right. I'll, 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 <laughs> wasn't as bad as the one on the goal line when he's falling down? Well, and, that yeah. That was well, brutal.
1: It, yeah, it's not as bad as getting run over by a train. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, falling off your bike is not as bad as right getting run over a train. I get that, but still. All right. Uh, now, with that said, the, Notre Dame's best friend remains Wisconsin,
3: yeah. who is moving
1: yeah. up and now up to fifteenth in the in the rankings. Uh, I don't know if Notre Dame played Wisconsin again. If Notre Dame would cruise, well, they didn't really cruise to victory. Let's a reminder. It was a
2: really wild fourth quarter. It
1: was a wild fourth quarter. It was it was in jeopardy. Teams they were defense. losing in the fourth quarter, and then uh, all. All chaos happened, and yeah. they end up winning in a blowout, but it was not close. All right. Uh, it was not close in the fourth quarter, but it was close the rest of the way. College football player for rankings. Georgia is number one. Bama, two. Oregon, three. Ohio State, four. Cincinnati, five. Michigan, six. Michigan State, seven. I don't get it on those two, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame, eight. Oklahoma State, nine. Wake Forest, ten. Okay. Michigan State plays Ohio State today. Yep. That'll take care of itself. Ohio State plays Michigan next week. That'll take care of itself. Yep. For the most part, there's probably one weird scenario in there that you could have a Big 10 te- two Big 10 teams in the mix, but for the most part, I don't think that'll be the case. That should even out. So will so battle, yeah. We'll battle each other. So let's just look at it. Mm-hmm. You drop a couple of Big 10 teams out. Now you have Notre Dame at 6. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the season. They need two t- more teams to lose. Alabama hosting 21st, number 21 Arkansas today. Possibility. They got Auburn. Then they've got Georgia. Yeah. You know, Alabama certainly could lose here the rest of the way. Would Notre Dame move ahead of a two loss Alabama team? I think if they lost to Arkansas, they would. Mm-hmm. They lose by three points to Georgia in the SEC championship. We got to wait and get see. The on of
2: the doubt, yeah. They
1: might. Cincinnati is an interesting one. Yeah. They, they play SMU. They have a tough road here. And they're not playing as well. If, if Cincinnati loses and Notre Dame wins out, does a one-loss Notre Dame go ahead of a one-loss Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati beat Notre Dame head-to-head?
2: I would think so, just because of the strength of schedule for the rest of the games.
1: And everyone is Spurship. arguing there's no way Michigan should be ahead of Michigan State, and then— They'd be doing the exact same reason. (laughs) I mean, the committee, though, has opened the door to allow Notre Dame to jump ahead of Cincinnati is the case. The big one here is Oregon.
2: Yeah, something's going to happen.
1: Oregon facing Utah, uh, and they're going to have to face Utah twice. Mm -hmm. They lose one of those two games. That opens up the possibilities for Notre Dame. If Oregon wins out, I don't know if Notre Dame has a window in here. Uh, Ilya, what are, you, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, you also have to worry about who's behind Notre Dame. That's a good point. Oklahoma State, they still have to play Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, who do they well, play Well, uh, Texas Tech, they got. Uh, but, yeah, they still Well, have, they got Oklahoma st- twice. Yeah, they're going to have to play Oklahoma twice in the Big 12 championship game and next week in Bedlam. So, if they were to win out, they would most certainly jump ahead of Notre Dame. If they
1: win out. But they got to beat Oklahoma twice to win out. Mm-hmm. So, I'm banking on that won't happen. But you're right. I think they jump at a one loss big 12 champion that has beat Oklahoma twice in three weeks is going to jump ahead of Notre Dame who beats Georgia tech and Stanford. So yes, it's a very good point. You got to worry about Oklahoma state behind you as well. All right. The scenarios are out there. I think though, four weeks ago we thought there was no scenario.
2: Yeah. So the improvements drastic
1: and, and things are happening. So you have the Mm. chance they may end up five or six in the end and not get in. Um, And you know what? They may be better off not getting in because I don't know if you want to face Georgia because I don't think this team is as good as the previous playoff teams that Notre Dame has had. Um, I would agree with that. But, I mean, you want a chance to be in it. you still want a chance. (laughs) That's the thing. You you still... You still want a, want a chance to, to make it happen. All right. Uh, big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michigan. The students receive practical college-level internship experience, helping out with the broadcast of high school football and basketball. Wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. No surprise, Tyrac named the best tire center in Michiana in the South Bend Tribune's best of the best awards. More tires, great prices. Visit tire Rack. Com. All right, today is senior day. Not quite the same for Jack Cohn. After all, he's a graduate transfer, but he has a great affinity for Notre Dame, and I asked him this week about his experience at Notre Dame this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we're just going to try to soak it all in. I mean, my last one at Notre Dame Stadium, so, you know, it's crazy how, how quick it's gone, and it's going to be emotional, but I'll do my best at fighting back those emotions and just focus on the game, but I'm definitely going to soak it all in.
1: You say it will be emotional. You don't express too much emotion with us too much. Are you an emotional type at times? So take us through that a little bit.
0: I mean, a little bit. when You know, it's, you know, stuff I love. Um, you know, I love football and I love Notre Dame. Um, so it's definitely going to be crazy. You know, I think it's my last time there. But um, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm emotional sometimes, yeah.
1: How, how much has this experience maybe lived up to your expectations, you know, exceeded your expectations of coming to Notre Dame in terms of, you know, just the whole journey that you've been on
0: this year? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's a, exceeded ex- expectations. Um, you're not really sure, you know, when you come to a program uh, like Notre Dame that's been so successful, exactly how everything's going to be run. Um, but, you know, from day one, it, it was such a blue collar program. And just to see the way, you know, see how, how hard everyone's worked uh, from the time I've gotten here and the coaching staff, and the strength staff, the way everyone's worked throughout this has been special for me. And it's been cool to, you know, learn about this winning culture.
1: Notre Dame quarterback Jack Cohn making his final appearance in Notre Dame Stadium today. Uh look, people have dogged Jack Cohn yeah. uh, this year. I, I will say <laughs> I've I, been hard on yeah, him. <laughs> right. But I will say this, looking back at the season to this point, I don't think Notre Dame's sitting here in nine and one if Jack Cohn never came to Notre Dame. Let's just say they had to go with Yeah.
2: One of the they, young guys.
1: If they had to go with Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner, people are arguing Drew Pine is better than Jack Cohn never got that opportunity. You know, you thought so as well. But I think if Pine was in the whole time from the beginning, if Buckner was in the whole time from the beginning, I think they would have just had those rookie moments that would have led to one of those games not going their way. And I think Notre Dame would have two losses right now. So I think Cone has helped in that regard.
2: Well, and I think, yeah, he's improved too. Um, yeah. But, I, th- yeah, the the offensive line, the first couple of games, that was a huge issue. Right. Everything looked bad. <laughs> it, was, it was not good. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, – It's an interesting thing in today's football with people being able to do – I mean, that's kind of a tough assignment, right, to be a grad transfer, come in, quarterback for Notre Dame, kind of an important position. Um, And the way he's handled it seems, you know, top-notch. And he does have a point with the winning culture that it's been a a good couple of years. I mean, BK is now more consistent – over the last what 4 or 5 years then i mean it's impressive and yeah. lots of people have come and gone now
1: look it's 5 straight 10-win seasons i mean not there's...
2: just players but coaches like yeah he, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a consistency
1: all right kurt heinish uh came back for a fifth year because of the covid rule played five seasons of college football so no one else gets to be able to say they got to do that only a handful of people uh i asked him this week if uh you know if he gets if you'll get emotional pregame Okay, so if it's nine nineteen. So if you're eating breakfast right now, put the push it away from you for a second. You've been warned. Here's Kurt Heinisch when asked uh, whether or not he may have some tears
5: today. Uh, no, the extent of, of, of me getting emotional before games is I've been throwing up before games. I throw up before every game, and I've been doing it for a long time. That's something people <laughs> don't know about me. I throw up. I I, I throw up. In, I throw up in the garbage game before every single game. No
3: matter who we're playing. Every single game. Yeah. Alright. Right.
1: <laughs> and that was our last press conference yeah. uh with with Kurt Heidish. Well, I mean I should say last one. We'll probably get him uh one more time. but uh what a piece of work. Uh have any uh you have any teammates or players under your wing that would throw up in the trash can before every game?
2: No, I mean that's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh we won't talk about that anymore,
1: so you can resume. I mean, I don't know if you can resume eating your breakfast, but if you can, uh, we will miss you, Kurt. But we won't miss those sound bites at nine a.m. in the morning. All right, still to come, our featured interview is with former voice of the Irish Jack Nolan. And up next, what Notre Dame defensive unit has impressed us the most this year? We weigh in. Brian Kelly weighs in, and you get to weigh in. Notre Dame of Irish Sports Saturdays back right after this.
0: Elevate One Hundred and Fifty Financial Checkups at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Here's how it works. Go online and schedule a 30-minute phone call. They'll guide you through your credit report to find ways to improve your financial health. Then they'll send $150 in your name to redeem a Radio. For information, visit Notre slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame, FCU.
1: Well, all our high school football teams in the diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend are now out of the postseason after Marion lost to Brubuff last night, 17-16. I was on the call of that one. Heartbreaking defeat for the Knights, who are right there, but a tremendous season for them. Uh, not many people thought they had a shot at getting, getting there this year, and they were just one point away. Third straight time they've lost
2: in semi-state, but what a great year. Yeah, and they improved a lot as the year went on as well. That's another, yeah, crazy. One point. And by the way, shout out to Northridge,
1: who uh, is going to the state championship here in Michiana. Team that lost four or five games to close out the regular season. And they're going to go play for a state championship for the first time in school history. Uh, Pretty unbelievable. Tom Wagaman, who's no longer the coach, retired last year. Shout out to him because that man built. Northridge football, and uh, he's a big reason why they are going to go play for a state championship. All right, Notre Dame-Georgia Tech today at Notre Dame Stadium. The Irish hoping Georgia Tech doesn't have a sudden resurgence late in the season here. They're not very good. They're 3-7. and But uh, talking about the Notre Dame defense, and I, I was interested this week of, you know, which defensive unit has been the most impressive this year so I posed the question to Brian Kelly pointing out secondary without Kyle Hamilton they had so many injuries in the linebackers early in the season the defensive line has had so much incredible depth here's what Brian Kelly had to say
4: yeah I think it's a good question I, I think you could make the case you know for the safety position you know without Hamilton you know you would think that that immediately that's a huge void to fill then it is and it still is right cuz you really can't replace a guy like that but then you watch um Ramon La uh, you know the other night i mean he made an interception he was in a too high zone you know he was just inside the left hash and he went all the way across the field and 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 picked that ball off off the numbers i mean that's incredible range so you know finding that kind of range at safety um you know, you could you could start there, but then then you go to defensive end, and then you know Riley Mills comes up with three sacks. You know, and 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 that's, you know, that's pretty good. Um, you know, look, I mean, what J D Bertrand's done this year for us, um, losing Marist, Marist was you know poised to be a difference maker for us this year. So, I mean, I I think, I think you could probably t- take from those three. You know, uh, a little bit of um, a little bit from each level, um, and and make the case there. That that would be my
1: estimation. So he dodged it. He didn't actually answer the question. He gave good reasons for for every valid points. They're all valid points, and I think you have an argument for for anyone. Uh, you know, we asked the question on on Twitter defensive line went away running away with this sixty yeah. percent linebackers, twenty one percent secondary, nineteen percent. I'm just curious, I, my my intention of the question was who's impressed you the most, not who's been the best unit? And I wonder mm-hmm. if people answered who they thought was the best unit. I think I think clearly defensive line is the best mm-hmm. of those three units, but I've been most impressed with the secondary. I mean, I don't know if we thought the corners were gonna be that good this year and certainly. I don't think we thought the secondary was gonna hold up without Kyle without Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton In game one or week one of this show, I said if Notre Dame loses Kyle Hamilton, they're gonna lose games this year. They haven't since they lost him. What what's your what's your take?
2: I think the uh it's kind of a hybrid position, but I think the Viper or their their rush ends, like seven Foskey obviously is having a really good year, but then um Nine, Dale oh, I can't say that one. He had a great game. Adam uh, Thank you. <laughs> he had a great game against Virginia. Now Virginia was pretty brutal. Like, I was running around a lot. But, um, I mean, that's pretty impactful. Those guys are really – and, again, they have them listed as a viper. So, it looks to me like they're a 3-4. So, it's an outside linebacker pass rush. That, yeah. to me, is the biggest impact. Okay.
3: Fair enough. Ilya. Yeah. What's impressed me the most, um, like, yeah, obviously – I kind of see Angelo's point the secondary, but what's impressed me the most about this has been the young guys, the freshmen mm-hmm. and the sophomores that have been playing on not and even just defense. And that's kind of what BK too. was getting to, right? Yeah. I mean, like the depth that Notre Dame has not just for this year, but years to come, like we're, got a really good future ahead of us well look
1: if it's 2013 2014 this team has three or four losses because they don't have that kind of depth yeah and when they've had the injuries that they've had this year they're especially on, early they're not able to 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 withstand those injuries you know and this team has Bert well Trane. on the
2: success of winning year after year after year you get better recruits so yeah from
1: top to bottom you're better you're better <laughs> and that's the bottom line and 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 that's one of the reasons why you're sustaining the winning winning mm-hmm. builds winning <laughs> you know yeah very simple. You just got to get to that point. Yeah, you got to get to that point. And once you break through it, it can sustain a little bit. And now Notre Dame hoping to get that next level up. All right, coming up, we look more in depth at the matchup with Georgia Tech in our game day sprint to kickoff. Up next, my conversation with the former voice of the Irish, Jack Nolan. Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays returns after this quick message from our supporters. Welcome back here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Jack Nolan, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics for 39 years, started at WNDU, did play-by-play for Notre Dame football and basketball with my late great friend Jeff Jeffers over the years, announced in the offseason he was retiring after 39 years as the voice of Notre Dame basketball, known for his famous catchphrase, got it or got it. At his, he would like to say on occasion and go absolutely bonkers. We actually talk about uh, the origins of Goddard and how it grew in, into his signature call along with uh, retirement. And if he misses it now, that basketball season is underway along with his favorite game he's ever broadcasted. Here's my conversation with the voice of the Irish, Jack Nolan. Well, Jack, uh, based on your uh, tweets, it appears retirement is uh, treating you rather well. Well, uh, Where are you currently uh, stationed?
5: Uh, currently, I'm sitting in what I think will be my office in uh, Indian Harbor Beach, Florida, in a condo we kind of stumbled upon a, a couple of years ago and bought in Boston, December. Uh, but it, uh, it's been terrific. We got out of town Uh, The first week uh, of November, ironically, I actually emceed the uh, Boy Scouts Awards Luncheon on November 2nd, got in the car on November 3rd, drove straight through to uh, Indian Harbor Beach, Florida, 19 hours in part because uh, I like to think I'm the uh, love of my wife's life, Rhonda, but it might be (laughs) her her, uh, cat's three cats and uh rather than try to put them in a hotel we drove them straight through and if you go to uh my facebook page there's a photo of a couple of the cats helping me drive they did much better than we thought they would and uh gonna be down here for much of uh the winter i guess somewhat ironically i'll be back for the next home notre dame basketball game against kentucky because my former broadcast partner lafonso ellis is being inducted into the Notre Dame Ring of Honor, and I certainly can't miss that. Uh, and uh, Notre Dame doesn't play another home game between now and then. Uh, I saw the first exhibition game, uh, and uh, other than that, we'll be in Florida, except for the little New Year's Eve trip we're taking with some friends.
1: Is it weird now? I mean, the first couple of months, maybe you're enjoying yourself, but now being at basketball season, is it weird not being in South Bend calling games?
5: A little bit. It probably helps not being there because it's just different. Uh, Normally, if I'm going to call a basketball game, I don't spend the afternoon sitting on the beach in the sun, uh, (laughs) which I'm doing now. But, I mean, in all honesty, the one thing that I probably wasn't quite ready to give up was calling basketball games. It's always been the love of my life. It's always been the passion. Uh, As much as I loved covering football, and I got to call Notre Dame football on television, on WNDU, with Jeff Jeffers, the late Jeff Jeffers, uh, from 82 to 90, basketball has always been the passion and, and what kept me there, my association with the, the basketball program. Uh, and, and I'd like to think I was still at the top of my game. I mean, obviously, last year was weird, uh, calling uh, road games uh, off a, a television monitor in a studio. So I didn't get to go on the road until the ACC tournament. Uh, and uh, had, like, a dramatic finish in the first game that many will remember, uh, and I really enjoyed it. So that's (laughs) one thing I'm missing. Um, But beyond that, you know, it was kind of time. People ask, why did you retire? Because we can. Um, And that's because both my wife, Rhonda, who's smarter than I am, uh, we worked our butts off on. you know what the business is like? And she was in the business. We actually anchored a newscast on uh, WNDU for many years on Sunday mornings, and then uh, she intelligently uh, also got other jobs like communications director for the local Honeywell plant. She worked for a great medical consulting company, Press Ganey, the last 15 years. And all we did was basically we bought a nice house, but we worked and uh, weren't blessed with kids. So all that college money, we started investing it in 1985. So people, if you wonder if it's worth investing, I mean, you normally don't make great deals of money or save great deals of money when you work for other people. You know that. Most people who, who get to retire early, like own their own businesses and whatnot. And, and certainly, not that we're rolling in dough, but we were able to do it. And after 39 years, it was probably time. Because when you do what we do, as you know, you're rarely off. Especially if you're working for a local television station, or then working for a college athletic department. And folks admire anybody you know who does that. Uh, because right now, with lower staffs, and everybody has lower staffs, every athletic department is running some kind of a deficit because of the impact of COVID. I mean, you're working your butt off. Um, and uh, certainly, I if I had wanted to just announce the basketball games and said that and asked that, which I didn't, I think they would have let me. Uh, but the other thing was, I won't be there when it's snowing anymore, Anj. <laughs> we get out of there the first week in November and three days later, I think it was snowing up there and I don't miss that at all. So weird. Yes. But I am enjoying and adjusting to retirement so far has been easier than I thought it would be. And I was up there all summer doing charity events and saying yes to all the invitations. We used to have to say no to because either Rhonda was traveling or I was working. So we were probably busier this summer than we would have been if we were working.
1: Yeah. I mean, And we're talking with Jack Nolan, the legendary former voice of Notre Dame basketball and football over the years here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Honestly, when you announced you were retiring, I, like, fell out of my chair because I thought you would die in the chair uh, because I knew how much you loved calling basketball. Um, But good for you. Uh, You know, I said it to you then. I I was so happy that you were able to you're able to now enjoy the fruits of the labor, right? Because it is so much labor. Um, But I'm sure there are moments that are going to happen over these next couple of years that that you're going to, you're really going to miss. What are the little things that obviously the games themselves are, they're the ultimate high, but what are some of the little things you're going to miss Jack uh, about when, when you're around the teams and everything like that?
5: Well, the relationships and, you know, I had a very good one with Brian Kelly and, and the football team treated me very, very well. Uh, I was lucky uh, that I got uh, one of my last gigs with football was being the sideline reporter and I got to travel with the team. I was actually the only member of the radio crew that did travel with the team. And, and that was a wonderful experience and, and got to know the players a little bit better. And, you know, that, uh, Mike Bray is like a brother to me this to this day. I text him a couple times a week. I almost felt like I was abandoning him to a degree because I think basketball is going to be really good. Football's football's good right now. I mean, Notre Dame is a perennial top 10 team. They keep recruiting better and better. It's going to be hard to compete with the top two or three teams in the country because Notre Dame's never going to run their program that way. But they're very, very good. And I think basketball is on its way back. I will be surprised if they don't make the tournament this year. Uh, I think. They're very deep and talented. I know their first two regular season games didn't blow anyone's doors off, but uh, I think Paul Atkinson Jr. is a great addition. I'll tell you what, Blake Wesley's even better than Mm -hmm. Advertisement. I think Nate Leschewski is going to have an absolute breakout year. Um, I'm very fond of Trey Wurtz. Cormac Ryan's a veteran. Dane Goodwin's doing what he always does, stuffing the stat sheet, not looking spectacular until the end of the game. I think it's going to come down, and I hate to put pressure on anybody, is Prentice Hub. Uh, How consistent can Prentice be? I, I think he has not shot well. He's one for 13 from three. He's got to produce offensively. What I do like is he has 11 assists to three turnovers um, so far this year, and, and that's a key. He has to be solid on the field, but I, on the court, I think they'll get it, the great you know, recruiting a uh, class that uh, the basketball team just brought in. I think Anthony Solomon coming back in an assistant coach's role is huge for the program. Uh, and I think they're going to be very good. And, and I'll miss that kind of excitement. The closest thing you can get to playing is announcing, especially on the radio, from an emotional standpoint. No, you don't impact wins or losses, but it, 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 it's a performance that you prepare for. And if the team has a great game, you want to be up to that level. And if the team struggles, you want to do a good job on the broadcast to still make it entertaining. And I miss that performance aspect of it.
1: What are the origins of got it?
5: You know, it's it's organic. I, I didn't think to myself, I need a catch all phrase. Um, and when you think about it, lots of announcers say got it. I grew up listening to Johnny Most, who the only old folks are going to remember, legendary announcer for the Boston Celtics. And he used to say bang. And I I kind of stole that um, for a while. I mean, once Bob Costas, believe it or not, when he was a young broadcaster right out of Syracuse, was doing Missouri Tiger basketball for Camo X in St. Louis, and I was doing it for the student station two seats down. And a couple times we both said bang, and I'd beat him with the bang, and Bob would point at me. <laughs> but it, somehow I knew it wasn't mine. And at the time, I think Johnny most really was one of the ones that uh, originated that. There's another, other announcers use it today. But Got It is my signature call because of the emotions behind it. Um, and I have a journalism degree from the University of Missouri, and you were supposed to be objective even when you were a team's announcer. But I noticed as I got closer and closer to the team, and I always tried to avoid saying we because I didn't block any shots. I didn't get any floor burns, but beyond that, when I became more and more comfortable with being the team's announcer, got some reinforcement, both from players and the fans. I mean, I was part of when the internet really took off in terms of fan comments. And now we all know that most of the people on the internet commenting the most are trolls and they're not going (laughs) to like anybody. (laughs) That's Uh, true. And I'd have Notre Dame fans saying, what a freaking Homer. Well, I'm the Notre Dame announcer people. Uh, I always tried to be what I describe my style as subjectively objective. I'm going to call it from a Notre Dame perspective, but I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to bury anybody. I'm not going to rip anybody, but if they're not playing well, I'm going to say it, but obviously as a Notre Dame announcer, I want them to win. So as the years went by and I became more and more comfortable with that, and I'll tell you a quick Jack Cooley story in a second. And then I got to the point where I knew fans loved it. And I wasn't afraid to show my allegiance I let it go nuts, and a couple of times I went nuts, and I thought it was bad. Bob Henning, uh, legendary engineer for Notre Dame broadcast, still doing football and basketball, said, "No, no, I thought that was great." Um, and, and, and Jack Cooley, Evansville, about ten years ago, I think. He is at the top of the key, and Evansville backs off him. It's a home game at Purcell Pavilion, and I announced and he's the center. You know, Cooley three-point land. They back off him. They dare him to shoot it. He shoots it. He makes it. Okay. End of the game, Notre Dame's up like 30 or 40. And Cooley starts talking to me. There's two minutes left. He's walking over to the broadcast position. And he goes, why did I take my hand? He goes, did I get a got it? And i went, oh, yeah, yeah, you got a got it because the game's still going on. After the game, I'm walking over to him. And he's with his girlfriend. He looks at me and goes, oh, no, I didn't get a got it, did I? I said, no, no, you got something much better. I described it. They dared you. You took the dare. You made the shot. I said, you'll get it, got it next time. And he said, Jack, there won't be I'm, a next time. <laughs> There won't be it next time. So, and then I, you know, the, the players on the team bus, there were many years where they would post the video highlights on UND.com with my calls and the guys had listened to it in the back of the bus. So when it became important to that, I would get emails. What? Uh, Connaughton, that's basket. wasn't good enough for, it? got it from fans. It be kind of, it grew on its own. And then I kind of just wrote it out. Um, but even when they, they honored me with a monogram, oh god, I think that was in 2013, and the video they played was Lafonso Ellis' era, and I said, got it two or three times in that, because I also did the games on WNDU on TV. We used to do eight to 12 games a year on WNDU before Notre Dame joined the, the Big East Conference, and conferences took control of TV. So it's hard for me to answer that shortly. That's kind of the story of how God, it became a thing. Nah, it's all good, Jack. Uh,
1: the great Jack Nolan joining us here at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. What's the fav- What's your favorite game you've broadcasted? Easy. Five overtimes. Ah, you know. I knew it was going to be that one. I was ready to almost say it, it for you.
5: How often do you get to do that? And the funny thing is my – I was stuck at
1: WNDU during that too because the game ended so late and I couldn't leave because I had to do morning sports. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm stuck here during the greatest game in
5: basketball history, it feels like. Well, and ironically, LaFonso Ellis was at ESPN then, but he would do two or three games a a year with me, and he did that game. and, And LaFonso is so respectful and humble. He never wanted to talk over me. I said, you're freaking LaFonso Ellis. Say whatever you want. But he could tell the dramatic moments and I'll say because I kind of taught him and he stayed out of the way. But by the third overtime, I feel like I'm losing my voice and I'm afraid it's sounding awful. And it actually sounded pretty good. And The most flattering thing was everybody in the country was listening to the game, either online or a Sirius XM. I mean, I'm getting stuff from Jay Billis and Dick Vitale, and Dan Shulman and all these guys saying, hey, you listening, this is great. And it was just—it was the most fun game that I'd ever had the honor to call. And you've been in this situation. I didn't, at that point in my career, listen to entire games very often. But I listened to all five overtimes because I didn't want to blow it. I wanted to make sure I did the game justice. And starting with 48 seconds left in regulation, when Jaron Grant went on his own self-made 12-0 run to send it into overtime, it just—that's—that stands out among anything that I will have ever done and will ever do. I'm retired. I'll probably never do another game. But even if I get another opportunity, nothing I think will ever match that. You
1: mentioned Lafonso. We talked about him at the beginning going in the ring of honor and you coming back for that. Can you put it in perspective for people listening how good of a guy Lafonso Ellis is beyond just the basketball player and the uh, basketball announcer?
5: There is no better human being than LaFonso Ellis. And he'll admit he made some mistakes during his life and that he wasn't uh, always the person he is today. But I don't know anybody who is more humble. I don't know anyone who has accomplished as much as LaFonso Ellis has um, and remains as humble and helpful as he has been. All-century team member, NBA star, and now he's on college game day. He's at the height of his of the broadcasting world. And he is still the same guy that I met when he was a freshman at Notre Dame. And he is generous to a fault, uh, has a deep faith. And he just he always wants to help people. He's just a really, really nice person.
1: You're absolutely right. I love him to death. And he's he's just, he is just that that's what it is. Just a really, really nice person. Final question favorite moment not a game but like one of those surreal things that like we get to do some cool stuff there's a lot of hard work behind it that people don't realize but we get to do some cool stuff as as broadcasters what's a moment that stands out that you're like wow I can't believe I'm with this person right now or I'm doing this right
5: now there's a lot of them on, and I'm not it's- no that's true I've been in the Oval Office four times.
1: That's pretty awesome.
5: Because of connection. Now, by in it, the president was never there, and there's a little rope as you lean in the doorway. But (laughs) my head was in the Oval Office. Um, It's the tallest, the the highest court in the land, Sandra Day O'Connor, Supreme Court Justice, taking us to the highest court in the land, the basketball court that's on the top floor of the Supreme Court building right above the chamber. Uh, that was pretty cool. I did a lot of new stuff. Um, I was the guy they would send to uh, South Bend Regional, then now International Airport, when the president came in. President Bush made a bunch of trips to South Bend during uh, his presidency because we had a, a very hotly contested congressional race. I'm thinking, you know, here I am on at a, at a flatbed or once we were in the press conference and I'm eight feet from the president of the United States. And one of the things that George Bush was great at was making contact. I never – people thought he was kind of bumbling He didn't speak well, but he made eye contact with me twice during the speech he gave, the remarks he gave or as he got off the plane. And I got chills like, so this is how he does it. He's acting like he's talking to me. But I'm sitting – I'm, you know, 8, 10 feet from the president of the United States. There are just – I mean, I've been to Hawaii a bunch of times and at first mostly – Uh, for the Maui Invitational, Um, you know, being in Ireland, going to Aviva Stadium for a Notre Dame football game on the team buses with a police escort. Uh, There's just – it goes on and on, and that's what what keeps you in the business because, again, a lot of fans will be listening, go, I could do that. I wish I did that. And we all pay a price um, because you are on call constantly – you can't do the things that a lot of people do. Marv Albert wrote a book and he finally just retired. And his book is literally titled, I'd like to, but I have a game. And, and I don't know how many times I've said that, but the other side of it is all the really cool things you get to do. And I think a couple of years ago, there was a day or two at Notre Dame, right? To be in the office at nine. And I had to go to meetings and stuff all day till five. And Angie drove me nuts. There's no way I ever would have been able to be an office guy. And uh, when you're a sportscaster and a news anchor, I mean, uh, Gary Sieber and I did an eight and a half hour straight on WNDU once during a blizzard. Uh, That was pretty interesting. Um, You get so many experiences uh, that you don't get and you get access to things. I've been in like three private jets. There ain't no way my salary is even going to rent a private jet. Uh, (laughs) You know, you get to do a lot of really cool stuff. I've been in the world series I've been to the Super Bowl. I snuck into a Super Bowl. You don't have enough time for that story, but I was on a basketball trip. Um, been to the Indy 500 in the uh, first turn, 10 feet from the, uh, the track. That's another story for another time. Um, been to the Final Four a bunch of times. So it's, I've just been able to do some really, really cool stuff. And you're right, met some really, really interesting people. And most people who are legendary uh, got to ask Bear Bryant some questions many years ago on a bus underneath the stands in Columbia, Missouri, at a Missouri, Alabama game. That's a story that still stays with me. Um, Somebody said, you know, I should write a book and I'm not doing it. I wouldn't do it because I don't think I'm that interesting or know that much. The other thing in this day and age, the only books that will sell will be the negative stuff. And I would never do that. Um, but I've I've been able to do so much fun stuff. Uh, And now you've got me thinking, I haven't done a lot of this thinking um, recently about all the fun stuff I've been able to do, but I have been thinking, and I've told a few people this because I emceed a a breakfast, a a brunch back in South Bend uh, before the Purdue game uh, with Lou Holtz and Rocket Ismail and Tim Brown. And I am now looking back on my career at Notre Dame, and I'm appreciating it more now than I did when I had it. Not that I didn't appreciate it then, but you're so caught up in it and you're working so hard. Sometimes it's hard to just get your, your arms around it. And uh, now, oh, last cool moment. Shamrock Series Yankee Stadium. And we were doing a three-hour pregame show, both streamed but also on the scoreboards in part because we were trying to prove to the powers of be at Notre Dame, uh, that the athletic department could handle a video board. There's, as you know, there, there's no place to park at Yankee stadium. <laughs> no So people get there. I know early. a couple places, by the way. I know, but people get there early. So an hour before the game, there's 56, 57,000 people in the stadium. And, I said, okay, I know the Corps of Cadets are here. Are you guys ready? And they all yell, hoo And then I said, I know the Irish fans are ready. Are you ready? And 50,000 people screamed right back at me. And I got goosebumps. And that's when I thought to myself, you know, this is why athletes can't leave it. Now, Angelo, they weren't cheering for me, but they were cheering with me. I initiated that. And what a great thrill that was just to get the feeling that only great athletes normally get that someone is cheering something that you're doing. Just another opportunity that quite honestly, a lot of people don't get. And I found it very insightful when you see guys and you think they really ought to retire. Why it's hard to walk away from that.
1: Jack, thank you very much. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy the beach. I'm doing both
5: Anj. good luck to you.
1: The great Jack Nolan, by the way, L'Afonso L's Ring of Honor Ceremony coming up on December 11th. Uh, your, your thoughts on the, the the great Jack Nolan,
2: Kevin? Oh, I just like learning more about people. Again, I grew up here, so I saw him on TV um, all the time. It was really neat. I I guess I'm more um, just impressed with the longevity. And, and then... <laughs> Not that I'll ever be able to retire, but it's kind of nice to have the thought that retiring on a beach someday, (laughs) not for me, but for others, I'm happy for them.
1: We we were joking. uh, The difference, uh, you know, Jack said uh, him and Rhonda not blessed with children. Kevin's got nine. So they're in a different, totally different land of uh, retirement positions, to say the least. All right. Up next, it's our game day sprint as we preview Notre Dame versus Georgia Tech Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays back right after this.
0: Indiana Physical Therapy is your choice for physical and occupational therapy. We treat all walks of life from peewees to professionals, Olympians, and those in between. Schedule at one of our 21 locations without a doctor's order. We accept all insurance plans and have the highest credentialed and most reputable staff. Open 7 to 7 to schedule the same day you call. Indiana Physical Therapy. Call 260-209-2464 or visit indianapt.com where
3: people go to get better.
4: This is a classic team that if you do not pay them the due respect uh, and you do not play well against them, they will beat you. So they get your attention. I, I do. When I watch them play, um, it's good players on both sides of the ball. And then, as I mentioned with, with the Gibbs kid, I, I think he's the player of the year um, in, in the ACC, in my estimation, in terms of um, his talent and what he does to. Uh, uh, impact the football game
1: that is Notre Dame football coach Brian Kelly previewing Notre Dame and Georgia Tech today at Notre Dame Stadium the Irish 9-1 ranked eighth in the college football playoff rankings Georgia Tech just 3-7 and 2.30 p.m. kickoff on senior day at Notre Dame Stadium again talking about Jameer Gibbs Kevin you've looked at Jameer Gibbs how good
2: is Jameer Gibbs uh, he's explosive. Um, so number one, when you're watching him, he's a running back. But he's also a kick returner. Uh, he's a little quick, <laughs> kind of explosive, fast guy. Again, I think uh, the big question, he's a talent. So obviously, that's, that's good. Um, but uh, the big question would be what's happening at quarterback.
1: Yeah, and you you mentioned he's also the leading wide receiver, too, is Gibbs, with 35 catches. So he does a little bit of everything. Had a kickoff return for a touchdown mm-hmm. last week. Here's uh, Kurt Heinisch on what makes Gibbs so good.
5: I mean, he's he's so fast, and he's elusive. And uh, if you watch his film, he has great vision. Um, he's really strong. He breaks tack really easily. You're not going to arm tackle this guy. Um, really fast coming out of the backfield and, you know, see him, you know, on wheel routes and, and flares and stuff, how fast he is. Um, he's, he's great in open space. Um, I can't say how about the kid he's, he's beast.
1: All right. So that's Jameer Gibbs. They've got one really good player. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, all right. Quarterback Jeff Sims, you like Sims ba- 10. better. Yeah. He's, you like he's Sims better than too. Jordan
2: Yates. I do. I do. Um, he's big rangy. He can run really well, but you know, we talked a little bit in the break. He, he may just be a little banged up from yeah. from getting he, he's attacked. Got,
1: <laughs> he's gotten hit quite a bit. I think it was in the Miami game two weeks ago. So, Yates started last week for against Boston College. Sims has uh, 12 touchdown passes this year, seven interceptions. Yates has six touchdowns for, for two interceptions. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, and Yates may be healthier, right? And that could be the situation. And maybe if Sims, it gives them a little bit more. But again, I'm I think we're 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 finding the bright <laughs> spots, right? Um, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for more than eighty years. That's eighty years of personal service to the Notre Dame family, putting people over profits. Your a share values by not sharing our benefits. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. How about Georgia Tech's defense? I didn't write anything down for them because, well. I don't know if they have one, do they?
2: Yeah, they have a defense. They're pretty aggressive up front. I know they have
1: 11 guys that go out there and play <laughs> against the opposing team's offense. But. Uh,
2: their issue is giving up the big play in in the back half. They're secondary. I don't know whether it's a communication issue, whether it's talent. Something is not right because <laughs> if you watch through the course of a quarter, you're going to see a couple of really big plays and people wide open, like something isn't connecting. All right, let me ask you this. If
1: Georgia Tech – I'm not even going to say if Georgia Tech were to win the game. I'm going to say if Georgia Tech is in the game. In I the think fourth they co- will
2: be for the first quarter, maybe even first half. Maybe,
1: uh, mainly because, what, Notre Dame starts slow, various reasons, senior – Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess – we talked about it a little bit. Like, I thought Virginia's defense last week was really bad. Like, I was anticipating just throttling them on offense, but – Notre Dame didn't like they're still college football players. They're and they're humans, yeah, because they're expecting to win, yeah. and so and again, Georgia Tech's defense is bad for the big play, but they make some big plays too because they'll be super aggressive.
1: Well, last year they had a fumble return for a touchdown against Notre Dame. I believe it was something return for a touchdown. All right, so they may be in it for the first quarter. Yeah, if they're in it still in the fourth quarter, what would be the reason? What would have to happen for them to still be in the game late? Um. Well, a I, difficult
2: I, question. Huh? It is a difficult question because <laughs> they stink. <laughs> I would say, for some reason, if there is zero run game by Notre Dame, that would be the the fuel that would let georgia tech stay in the game and maybe win it yeah and i think there's zero but i think the only other that's way, a strength of the team right now yeah. they're starting to build well, on well the other way
1: would, would be a ridiculous margin in turnovers yeah if true. uh you know you have a uncharacteristic fumble you've got two interceptions and then all of a sudden uh it's 3-0 in turnovers maybe that keeps georgia tech in the game a little bit Ilya, what what are your thoughts on how georgia tech maybe sticks around in this game if they were i mean i don't think we any of us think they will but if they were to
3: um, well, we haven't mentioned if Georgia Tech is able to create their own big plays, mm-hmm. not even just defensively, but offensively. You know or or if they're teams. able to create the yeah or special teams if they're able to create their own big plays, they could stay in this game.
1: Yeah, maybe Gibbs breaks off a big run and a kickoff return for a touchdown and mm-hmm. and sticks
2: around in this. All right, Kevin prediction. I like think Notre Dame forty-one like
3: fourteen. Oh come
1: on!
2: Why was that yours exactly, Ilya? What do you got? <laughs> Wow. Uh, I went
3: 40 to 13. Ooh. Oh, my. God. Ooh,
2: crazy. What'd you do?
1: 41, 13. <laughs> we did. We all wrote it separately. Uh, we used to crazy. put the sheet. Uh, come on. That was now I'm going to make you guys submit these ahead of time because that was this is no fun when we say the pretty much the exact What is that the, the aggregate exactly the same when you even things out. All right. Well, with that said, that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. For Kevin Downey and Ilya Glasman. I'm Angel Carlo. That means it's going to be a three-point game, by the way. Notre Dame and Georgia Tech will kick off at 2.30 p.m. today at Notre Dame Stadium. You can watch the game on NBC, and we'll, of course, be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close our pregame the same way the Irish close their pregame in prayers. See yeah.
0: Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game.
6: Hi, this is Tony Katanzrit of Katanzrit Financial Services. If you'd like help planning your financial future, contact me at tony at katanzritfinancial.com. This message isn't about my business, it concerns something far more important uniting our country under God. My father and mother, Joe and Mary Katanzrit, live their lives based on love of God, family, and country. Consider the question I recently posed to their eight year old great grandson, my grandson, Rocco. If we all do our best, To keep the Ten Commandments and treat others the way we'd like to be treated, how many problems would we have? He looked at me and said, not very many. Sometimes it takes a child to open our eyes, simplify things, and help us find the truth. So let's all do our best to keep the Ten Commandments, treat others the way we want to be treated, and let's unite our country under God. For Catanzaric Financial Services, I'm Tony Catanzaric. Securities and advisory services offered through Harbor Investment,
1: Inc., member SIPC.